Welcome to Taking the Pulse, a healthcare podcast. I'm Heather Hoops Matthews here today with healthcare attorney Matthew Roberts with the Nexon Pruitt Law Firm. And the demands on healthcare due to COVID 19 prompted us to launch this podcast. And really, you know, Matthew, as our state begins to lift these restrictions, it really doesn't seem like it's getting any easier on them. I don't think it's going to get easier, Heather. Mm-hmm. Uh, our health care providers have really answered the bell and have made South Carolina proud, and they've done a magnificent job, but it's not likely to get a lot better in the short term. So I think they're just um, you know, hunkering down and trying to manage whatever comes before them. But uh, I think it's going to be a little bit of a long haul to deal with, but I think they're up for it. Right. Well, we're going to talk about that today. Up next, in just a moment, we're going to speak with Charles Williams. He is president and CEO of the Regional Medical Center in Orangeburg, South Carolina. So stay with us for Taking the Pulse, a healthcare podcast. Welcome back, everybody. I am Heather Hoops Matthews, joined today with Matthew Roberts, a Nexon Pruitt healthcare attorney. And we are going to talk today with Charles Williams. He is president and CEO of the Regional Medical Center, which serves Orangeburg, Calhoun, Bamberg, and Barnwell counties. Charles, thank you for joining us today on what I know is every day a busy day for you. Um, your team service over the past several weeks, we're grateful for that as well. Tell us how has COVID 19 impacted your team? Well, thank you. First, uh, first off, thank you, Heather, for allowing us to join you today, and thank you for the appreciation shown for the service. But I'll tell you, COVID nineteen, this unprecedented pandemic, has been something that we have just learned every day how to serve and serve more and more. How has it impacted us? Uh, let's talk about it. We've had everything from restricted access, limited access throughout our building. You know, we have tents that are set up on our main campus. Uh, restricting and checking temperatures that for those who come into the organization. We've gone to universal masking of all of our staff, and that's those within the clinical areas and outside of the clinical areas. And of course, we've done lots of testing, testing for our clinics, testing in our hospital, our outpatient and inpatient, uh, working with multiple vendors from DHEC to Quest and others to ensure that our community is taken care of. Well, Charles, how are your employees holding up and how are, how are you holding up? I mean, you've got to worry about a lot of people. Uh, how are you dealing with all of this? Well, you know, we're holding up well. And I, I think part of it is one of the things we try to not just during COVID, but all the time is focus on being RMC strong. And, and that is a family commitment to one another. That is a family commitment to our, to our community and those who we are blessed to serve. But, you know, it it has been tough because there are so many unknowns. You think about COVID-19. When it first started, we had a certain set set of symptoms. And uh, then, of course, then GI and other things came into play. So for our registration staff, our ED staff, our staff in the clinics, we've really had to be very fluid in our activities to ensure that they know that we support them and that we're there. Uh, and we're willing to be as flexible as we can to serve them. But I will tell you, the universal masking helped a lot because it eased a lot of fears and concerns. We're hearing that a lot, Charles, as we speak with people in the healthcare industry about the universal masking and how that is important. And, and did your employees embrace that well? They did. Uh, you should have seen it. The, the morning we went to universal masking, we went out to the clinics and we were handing them out. But then on the main campus, we had these long lines and we were fit testing those who hadn't been uh, uh, set up yet. 
and they were just thanking us, saying, you know, our administration loves us, they care about us. But there's also the discomfort. If you've ever worn a mask, you know, for this session right now, I'm locked up in, in a room, so I'm not around anyone, but I wear a mask as well. So you're talking about being within this N95 or this surgical mask for eight to sometimes 14 hours. That can be quite a bit of pressure on your skin. Uh, you begin to not like your own breath. I know that sounds maybe funny, but I mean, that heat right. that just builds up in that mask can wear on you after about five hours. Well, speaking of masks, how has your access to PPE been? Have you been able to get what you need to, to, to protect your employees and patients? Uh, we have. It has been difficult, but you know, we are so fortunate here in Orangeburg and Calhoun County. Our counties have been amazing partners. Um, uh, Harold Young and, and John with Calhoun, they've really stepped up, uh, Billy Staley and others with the county, to help us ensure that we can procure what we need. Uh, we've made orders, and some of those orders have hit the dock, and some have not. You know, one of the things I, I share with individuals, I understand that there's a lot of, of, of people hurting, but when you find that the PPE is being marked up four, five, eight times the price, that really makes it challenging. And I'll tell you another one that has really helped us, our foundation, our RMC foundation, they've been amazing. They actually donated to us $75,000 for us to use on PPE so that we could procure the supplies we needed for our healthcare heroes. Wow, that's great. That is great. And you know, it's, it's great to see the community step up and help you. I'm also curious though, what, what kind of infection rates are you seeing in the community? Well, I'll tell you, uh, I, we have not been a hotspot, but just so you kind of understand what we've been dealing with. In our testing, we've tested about 1,000, uh, 1,011 people. We've had positives uh, result in about 76. I think that's about 7.5% positive rate on those tested. For our employee base, we've tested 66 of our employees and six have been positive. That's about a 9% uh, positive rate. Um, so we are doing quite well. We've been very fortunate. Uh, of all the patients that we've treated, uh, we've only had one death in the hospital. Uh, that, that, you know, now being a man, you know, I, I believe that man is never in control of that, so God has been good to right. us, but our clinicians have just done an amazing job. We have an amazing team of lab techs, radiologists, nurses, doctors, and Dr. Melinda, who's our intensivist, she has done a great job in being led by Dr. Sammies, our infection control medical director, and also our chief of staff, the, 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 the collegial activity has been amazing how we've all come together for this, for this unprecedented time. That's great to hear. You know, we've all read and, and, and seen news stories about how the COVID-19 virus seems to be affecting minority communities at a higher rate than other communities. And given what you've seen in your area, what can you say about this? You know, I... <laughs> I, I agree with you 100%. You know, one of the things that I try to share with individuals, one of the additional challenges we have uh, here is those four counties make up 2,400 square miles. That's a very large area for one hospital and less than 10 clinics. Now, we have our private sector, but we're trying to care for those individuals, give them access to what they need. You've heard a lot of people talk about telehealth, and we've done some things around telehealth. But when in these rural areas like this, where poverty is a big deal, you don't always have broadband. You don't have folks who have a computer. So you don't have the ability to get it from the source to the house. And then if you get it to the house, 
there's not a device to actually provide the information to continue care. Uh, in addition to, you're right, you have the increase, you know, you have a lot of minorities and other comorbidities getting to them to let them know that if you have a need, you need we need to know. Don't wait because of fear, because by the time you get here, it's, it's worse and you're in an emergent situation. So the, 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 the geography has a lot to play. The demographics has a lot to play with what you're seeing uh, that's what, going on with COVID. What can we do to help? I mean, what can we do to, 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 to help in, in a situation like yours? Well, I think not just during the COVID times, but, you know, sometimes as Americans, and I share this whenever people ask me questions, we sometimes suffer from amnesia once a crisis has ended. Right. We, when we come out of this, and as the strong uh, American nation in this world, we will come through this. We need to continue to focus on ensuring broadband access to all. You know, our amazing U.S. Congressman uh, Clyburn, what I love about him, and he's actually leading this infrastructure work up in D.C., you know, one of the things we have to focus on is making this a greater union so that everyone has access to the same liberties. You know, you think about when you don't have bars. Well, there are people that never have bars on their phone or their device. So when this is over, let's ensure that we are covering those places. Let's in, so the, the school kids, you think about it, kids have been out of school having to wor work remotely. But if that child doesn't have access to the internet, how have they been getting their schoolwork done? Right, they haven't. Granted, exactly. And, and for healthcare, that's a big deal. So we have to focus and not have short-term uh, memory issues here. So you've addressed some of the geographic challenges you have serving a, a rural community. Are there any advantages that rural communities have when facing this type of pandemic? You know, the advantage, I don't know if it's rural, but I can say it's Orangeburg. You just, you have a spirit of people here that come together. But the other piece you got to think about in the rural markets is we also have more poverty. So access to supplies, access to different food sources. We have places in our community where there are food deserts. So how are they getting their food? You know, are they having to drive way in to get to the, to the Walmart? And now the Walmart, of course, has limited hours. You have limited people that can go in the store. So there are advantages, I think, just from the good-hearted people of Orangeburg and Calhoun County, but there are many disadvantages that we have to begin to address. I know uh, COVID has impacted your hospital greatly in, in how to care for all of us who may or may not be sick and operate, but I've also read just as a layperson and been interested in the financial impact on hospitals. It, the financial impact has been amazing. Uh, just imagine, and, and I think across all industry, we, we are all having revenue impact. We're all losing revenue. There's no one that can say they're making the same amount of money. But just imagine to have a cut in your revenue and then have a spike in your expenses at the same time. Right. You know, we are fortunate here. You know, we are one of the few healthcare systems, not just in the state, but in this nation. We have not furloughed or laid off any employees. How is that? Well, what we've tried to do, remember, we have a family RMC strong attitude here because we are the largest employer in this region. So we understand the responsibility of doing that. So we've done some flexing of hours. You know, we've allowed people to use PTO. We've put people in some other roles. But what I have to remember is that there is a direct, indirect, and induced financial impact of everything that we do. 
So if I begin to lay off people, what does that happen to Walmart? What does that do to Chick-fil-A? What does that do to the other restaurants in this community and stores? So we have to be very flexible in what we do and how we do it. So we have not done it, and I hope that we don't have to, but we've had to be very creative in, in our operations. Wow, well, bless you for thinking of people, not just in your own walls, but beyond. Um, it, it, do you think it, it's going to help when we start to reopen? Will your revenue start to return? Uh, that is that is our hope. I think it will. I think part of it is when you try to take care of people in the tough times, it is, it is my belief that that relationship carries over to the good times. Uh, I actually believe that we will probably have customers after this that, he that we did not have before because they see that the, the unselfish love that we are showing for them. That is my hope. That's not why we do it, but you would hope that that would be the fallout from some of this. Um, is it gonna take some time? Yes, I will tell you now, I've been speaking with some of my physicians and now that we are able to do more cases, uh, one uh, surgeon just shared with me the other day, he had a 30% cancellation rate because that person may say, yeah, okay, I'll come do my procedure, but then fear kicks in. So next week, we're actually going to be working with some things with some of my affiliated and employed physicians and some of my local media to talk about what can we do to proactively reassure the community that it's safe to come back. Charles, what, Charles, what would you say if I was a patient who needed to have a procedure done, but I was hesitant because of everything I'd read and, and everything I'd seen on the TV and I was scared about going into a hospital to have work, a procedure done, what would you tell me to help alleviate those concerns based on what y'all are doing to mitigate the risk? Well, the first thing I'd say is I understand that you're scared and we want you to know first and foremost, your safety is our priority. And what we have done is we've always been uh, high on cleaning, but we've enhanced our sterilization processes. We've enhanced our cleaning processes. And when we bring you into our organization, we're gonna bring you through a process of screening to promote the highest level of sterility and safety for you. We're gonna take you through a guided process to your procedure. We're gonna limit access of loved ones, yes. And we're doing that not because we don't want you to be with your loved ones, but we want to ensure your safety in doing that procedure and their safety. So know that we have set in motion processes to not only provide you the care, but to return you home safely to your family. I think that's a wonderful message to send out proactively um, because many of us may Absolutely. not want to admit that we are a little concerned. And you know, quite frankly, we may be strong and courageous in our mind until we get to your front door. Right. <laughs> Uh, and so for you to proactively message that um, is, is really wonderful. And I, I, I think this is a good place to end for today on your positive message. Um, we do wish you the best, Charles, to you and the team at the Regional Medical Center. Uh, you do cover a vast area. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful that you're willing to serve. And uh, we hope to have you back on Taking the Pulse again. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Charles. I mean, on behalf of our board, our county councils, we just appreciate the opportunity to serve because that's what it's about is serving those who are in need and those that, you know, when they're in their time of trouble, we should be there to comfort them and take care of their needs. Thank you. Yes, yes, thank you. Thanks, Charles. Matthew, I'm, I'm grateful for people who run into the fire instead yes. of away. Yeah. The and state's lucky to have Charles and his team down in Orangeburg and the, and the folks in Orangeburg are lucky to have them during this time of need, we need that kind of leadership. 
And I really didn't think about covering 2,400 square miles. Yes. I mean, that is a significant yes. portion of the state. I can't even really imagine wrapping my mind around that. Well, as Charles alluded to, post-COVID-19, we're going to need to address how we help providers like uh, Regional Medical Center help reach those, those patients, potential patients, in the rural areas. Mm -hmm. And that does mean broadband. That may mean other technological advances. But as a, a largely rural state, we need to embrace that and get behind that because that'll help us have better health care in the long term. Well, the more we talk about it, the more we'll understand it, and the more likely we are to do it. So we have to continue to speak about these issues. And that wraps up today's edition of Taking the Pulse, a healthcare podcast. Thank you, Matthew Roberts, for being here again today, and we look forward to seeing you next time.